Michael and Heifert present This Week in Horror. Welcome back, everybody. I'm Everett. And I'm Sickle, and we're Sickle and Heifert. We're the Anhala Reviewers. Um, um, uh, uh, I gotta work on this. I gotta work on this. You know, what? how many episodes in are we? And I start every episode with... Um, well, I don't know. I mean, it's I kind should, of your thing now, I right? should be more confident at this it's point. Like, yeah, right. That's never going to happen, though. Like, No. We're, we're set in our ways, you know? It's just true. All right, let's get to that news we were talking about last time that we, like, <laughs> you know, we're talking about and we like, ooh, everybody come back and listen. We might as well talk about it first this time instead of being like, oh, wait till the end of the episode, like every <laughs> NBC show. So, there, I think we mentioned it last time, but there's a lot of properties that have new ownership, let's just say that, right? And some properties that don't have new ownership, but just haven't had anything done with them for a while. We're trying to, where the original writers are trying to get the franchises back. So Predator, Hellraiser, Friday the 13th, uh, Alien is another one, right? I think, maybe, no? Alien was one that I was hoping would Mm. try to, but there's no news of that yet. Well, I mean, Um, so far on the Alien front, the comic's pretty cool, it sounds like, and that's part of like Marvel. Marvel Disney stuff, so I'm I don't know if I'm negative on Disney owning Alien. I'm not as long as they're not afraid to do our stuff. Uh, I'm not afraid, or I don't care if they have it. But if uh, the second that they're like, let's turn this into a teen property, I would be I'm going to be very pissed. I wouldn't make but, money that way though. Like I mean, they want money, right? They like money. Well, so they tried just... to make money that way with Alien vs Predator, and it didn't work out Can great. Can they just say that the them, AVP so. movies aren't really part of canon? They're just kind of a fun little romp. Yeah, they're definitely not part of canon, but uh, I don't know. That's... So the deal is that the original writers for all of these properties, um, there's this law in place uh, this for copyright that The 22.2 years that... law. No, it's not that. It's, <laughs> it's uh, 35. Yeah, 35. 35 years. So it, um, after 35 years of the original property, I guess screening or whatever, I don't know, um, it can go back to the original writers for it, the original creators. Uh, and so a few properties have already won back, um, the or a few writers have already won back their properties from studios. Uh, one of them is Hellraiser. Clive Barker got that back. Um, Friday the 13th, writers got theirs back. Uh, uh, Wes Craven's pro- uh, um, group got theirs, or got his uh, Nightmare on Elm Street back. Oh, cool. Um, so there's like a lot of them that have already successfully been able to get a hold of the original rights. Uh, and Predator is currently the two writers for Predator, the Thomas brothers, I believe, um, are trying to get theirs back from Disney. And as far as I know, the other studios that have owned some of these other properties were not as big as Disney. Um, that isn't to say that they don't have ridiculous amounts of money to throw at a legal team, but nobody really holds a candle to Disney as far as their um, legal influence, I would say. So I wish them the best of luck. Uh, right now it's being hung up because Disney is saying that the Thomas Brothers didn't write the proper paperwork in order to like have warned them properly that they're about to get the franchise back. And the Thomas Brothers are saying, yes, we did. We filed it with Fox before you bought them. So mm. suck it. And so they're trying to still get it back. So it's kind of stuck in limbo right now. And 
but it is like really cool to see a lot of these like original writers because in nine times out of ten the original film or at least the like original first two or three films are usually like the best in the horror franchises like across the board and usually those original writers were involved in some way at least uh, you know, a, a lot of times, even into the sequel, which is usually when they started to die down, was, like, usually between, like, three and four is usually when they start to suck. Yeah. <laughs> and so it's it's kind of cool to see these guys that are like, hey, we want our property back so that we can start making actually good movies again instead of just trying to cash grab everybody. Hmm. One and thing... I, I don't know. I'm really excited for it. I, I don't know. I don't know that I'm necessarily in the same boat as you when, you come, when you're talking about cra- cash grabby and original writers and stuff like that, because... I've just seen a lot of things where I was really happy that fans were now writing for the franchise or people who had watched it when they were kids growing up are writing for the franchise. Most recently, the Mortal Kombat movie. Like, I really liked that new mo- the new Mortal Kombat movie, and it definitely felt like there were influences there from people who had, you know, participated in playing Mortal Kombat as kids and wanted to see the movie get made really well. And so, like, I can see that the argument for, like the benefit of the original writers being able to extend their own canon out. But I'd rather just have them, like, be able to be involved if they wanted to be as opposed to just writing more, you know? Because seeing the new people involved in it is kind of the cool part of, like, having a generational shift, right? Yeah, that's a good point. Um, I'm trying to think of a good... To throw a curveball at you. (laughs) Yeah, no, like, what's an example of, like, a good franchise that, like... that, Or, like, a good example of a franchise that kind of updated but it was actually good child's play i guess i was thinking child's play too mortal Kombat, yeah. i think did it well um i i always really like <laughs> i i hated i hate to reference this because it's not a good example but uh like joss whedon being involved in alien uh what the heck is the alien movie alien resurrection that's right right that's the one that everybody hates um, yes, that's the one that everybody hates. Yeah, and, like, he was involved <laughs> in it, but he never got to make his movie, right? And so, like, if he, I wonder, I, that's the one I always, I'm like, I wonder in a different universe if Joss Whedon actually got to make his version of that movie, if it would have been really cool, you know? So. Yeah. Yeah, this, I, I mean, that's a, that's a good point. I mean, I guess, like, I mean, it's not horror, but I, I, I would say that probably, um, the new Blade Runner movie is a good example of different people just trying, trying it out. And it turning out incredible. Yeah, and I mean, I'm not, again, saying, like, kill the old people. No, just, like, yeah. if you want them, like, if they want to be, they clearly want to be involved or, like, you know, have some type of ownership over the story, right? I mean, I'm thinking, I don't know if this is fact or not, but the new the new Halloween movies seem to pick up right where the old ones left off. So, I mean, there's got to be some involvement from the original writers, I would think. They want to be involved or they're being consulted because... It's based off of their movies, right? They're just, like, skipping all the rest of the Halloween sequels and going back to this, the first one, or the second one. Um, but I guess what I'm just trying to say is, like, it doesn't need to be so black and white, I guess. I mean, like, let's get new people involved and ha- keep old people involved if possible. I, yeah, I guess I, I, I guess I could say that, but... Or, I mean, I guess you could say that, but, like, there's also... Uh, I mean, I would assume that the reason they're trying to take full rights back is because they're not giving a crap about their... Exactly, about, right, which is the And they're not bringing part. them involved. Mm-hmm. And I think that's pretty clear by how these how these particular franchises have been treated recently, like the ones in specifically that are that are being because like Child's Play is constantly trying to play around. I think like Cult of Chucky was different than Seed of Chucky, mm-hmm. which was a little bit too much. Like Bride of Chucky and Seed of Chucky were 
off the rails weird. And then they were like, especially Cita Chucky, oh my gosh. And then, but then they like tried Colta Chucky, which is completely different. And then they just, and then they reset to Child's Play, to the Child's Play remake. And it's like, okay. See, they're like, I don't know, to me, even though they're not all hits, they're clearly trying to do some things. Whereas like Friday the 13th and Hellraiser are just on a gradual decline. They haven't I had guess. any movies. Like, I, Friday the I mean, 13th's last that. movie was the remake, wasn't it? I think so, yeah. And I actually, that, that really wasn't that bad. Yeah, but it was, was but it wasn't original. Like, it wasn't like they actually changed anything, I, I necessarily. Think the, the issue, though, is... Well, sorry, not to completely die track, but, like, so many people hate remakes nowadays that, like, they just bomb them, and they never get to make any sequels to the remakes. So the remakes are just, like... Every horror remake is, like, a Hulk, a Hulk movie. It's, like, Ang Lee's Hulk. Where, like... You got to start again. You basically want to remake it and you have to start again because nobody liked the movie enough to reference it in a second movie is what it feels like. I do, though, think that I do think, though, that if you want to look at an example of a bad remake that just had nothing going for it, as far as I'm concerned, the, the Nightmare on Elm Street remake was just a total failure. Like the Friday the yeah. 13th movie I liked because it was more of what made that series good. It was just like, you know. Jason killing teens, and I just feel like like that doesn't really need to. I don't know, maybe I'm giving it purview because I liked it, but I don't know. I maybe I didn't like Friday Thirteenth as much as I liked Nightmare on Elm Street. Is what I'm saying. I gave it more leeway because I didn't really have any attachment to the first ones, but I do have attachment to the first Nightmare on Elm Street. And so, yeah, 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 and it, yeah. That, I mean, we can dive into that. Like, I just I wasn't a fan of that either, which kind of sucks because I liked the actor they picked. I think um, he's overrated, but I, I can see why people like him. I don't know if I would call him overrated. He's not really in anything anymore. Well, he was in one movie, and people <laughs> were like, let's have Rorschach in everything. And then they're like, wait a second, that character doesn't really translate to any other movies. F, we've typecasted a guy into a corner, and now he doesn't get to be in movies anymore. Like, Well, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> yeah, that sounds about right. But anyway, I, I can see the, I guess, both ways. Like, I'd really like the old people to be involved if they have an interest in it, right? But for things like Friday the 13th, like, if nobody has interest in being involved in it, then, you know, just people just need to take some chances, you know? And we're not, I don't, I don't want to get too far outside of the realm of movies, but there's a lot of big companies taking a lot of chances nowadays because of the way the world is. So I'm interested to see what happens with some of these franchises in the future, on all counts, right? Like, do the writers get the rights back? Do they involve the writers again? Do they not and do something different? You know, we'll see. I like the Black Christmas remake. Yeah, I know you did. <laughs> oh, man. I, I finally watched it. And, let, let me say um, this, I though. I, watch it. I did not like it. I, I <laughs> like the way that they took it because it wasn't just the same old, same old. I like the new interpretation of it. The message, obviously, was, I think, important but heavy-handed. But I think the doing the like the cult thing was kind of cool. I like that change. Yeah, yeah, that part was cool. Um, I I just there's a part where like, and where like you know it, like you said the message was important and I I and valid, and I love movies that do that. But I don't like it when they take it so far that they insult the audience. And I feel like that movie and the end of Lucky kind of insulted me. It was like. I got, I like, I got it. Like, you were really clever and smart about it, and it was like all nuanced, and it was built into the structure of the story, and then you shoved it in my face, and I was like, wait, I got it already, though. Like, 
why didn't you keep the conclusion like in the same like where it was organically going through your story so that people could take it home and maybe not even realize that they embraced it like that they were like oh man like later on they'd figure out like oh man i'm that douchebag that's like yeah exactly like that they can like you just instigated and made people feel like they were they were enemy instead of making them think about it right yes yeah and i feel like and that's not to say like there, i feel like tons of movies have done that really well i feel power, like i feel like the power did that even though it wasn't like as mm-hmm. i mean i obviously neither of us have you know we're not we're not coming home and being like oh my gosh i can't believe we did that to a child like but it's still well, really yeah. <laughs> it's still really like it's like here here's the premise here's what's bad Here's what's bad. Here's what's bad. This is bad. And you're like, okay, okie dokie, okay. Uh, Take it back, match. Uh, Yeah. Uh, No, like in the power, like, the part that I liked the most about it was the way that it just, it kind of like let the dialogue just like naturally show you exactly what's happening to this girl. Because like at first you don't know what her past is, like what happened to her. Yeah. And then it slowly becomes... It, it you slowly become aware of what happened to her, but along the way so far everybody's just been treating her like garbage. They've been treating her like a liar. They've been treating her like all these other things. And then you find out what actually happened to her, and you're like, "Oh, that's wow, awful that's up, that you yeah. would do that to somebody." And like, wait, this happens all the time still. Like, it, but like you can do that. Like you're processing it with your, um, with you know, with a hopefully a healthy worldview, and you're seeing it like, "Oh man, this is a really good point." And even though this is taking, this is an um, you know, a, a timepiece out of history, like a, a historical horror, like it still applies today. And I don't know, I, I did, I did appreciate the way that its voice was delivered in that movie. I agree. I, I may have been over-exaggerating the power. The power wasn't nearly as bad as Black Christmas, but it definitely was something where like, I was uncomfortable, but it wasn't uncomfortability because of the movie being a horror movie. It was uncomfortability because I'm like, I get it. Okay. Like I'm understand. I don't want to keep seeing this motif over. I like doing it to one person was bad enough. And then doing it to, to like the number of people that it happens to in that movie was absolutely terrible. And it's like, okay, like we don't need to, I don't know. Maybe I'm snowflaking real hard, but I'm just, we don't need it that badly. <laughs> Even doing it once was bad enough. We don't have to make it have happened like 30 or 40 times, you know? Um, yeah. Do you want to skip the next news and go on to trailers? I think we, we spent a lot of time on that. So let's let's do the, the, ne- yeah. the next one next time. Um, but yeah, so we've got some trailers we're going to talk about real quick. And then if we have time, we'll talk about the newest episode of Creep Show Season 2. Uh, let's see. My heart can't beat unless you tell it to. This movie trailer confused me a little bit because I was like, what? Like, so basically the trailer shows you that it's a movie about these sister sister and a boyfriend taking care of her sib her brother, and like you slowly find out through the trailer that they're having to feed him like blood, and the way they're getting it is basically it looks like they're killing homeless people, right? It's pretty clear about that. Yeah. And but you never really figure out why they have to feed him blood, which I guess would be the total the whole point of the movie. But that also makes me feel like the movie is just going to be about why they have to feed him blood, and I don't want to sit through two hours of something that's just going to tell me why they were feeding a guy blood. <laughs> um it's a weird way to look I, I, at it right <laughs> i don't know like i can't tell if it's going to be about that or if it's just going to literally be about the drama of them dealing with the situation 
and that it's never really explained. Like if it's something that's oh, just completely pfft. dismissed. Um, like if it was like, you know, I'm, he just has a disease and he needs blood. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, he's just he just needs blood. So um, this is what they're doing to cope with that problem, and they never address it in in like a solving kind of sense. Like it's just left as a mystery. I could totally see the movie doing that by the way that it's filmed, and I I don't. Um, it's very art housey. Uh, for those that have not seen the trailer, it's it's got a very art house feel to it. I can't tell because I do also see the possibility of it being something that I really want to see. Yeah. Like. What if he's a vampire and, like, they are trying to keep him inside so that he doesn't, like, I don't know. Go and kill I don't know why they wouldn't sure. let him just go feed himself, but I don't know. It's... But that could be uh, interesting, though. Like, if he is a vampire, it's it's a story about these people dealing with, like, what love means when your your family is not normal. Which isn't, like, novel, but the way they're handling it could be. But if it ends up just being him being, like, anemic or and they don't understand what it means, or some kind of cop-out like that... I will be very frustrated. That's why I agree with you. Like, it could be really cool. But if it's really just a drama piece which with no delivery on anything that could easily be delivered on, that's going to piss me off. Yeah. Because you don't really have to commit yeah, the whole sure. movie that he's a vampire. You could just come in at the end and be like, the reason we didn't want you to go outside was because of this. And he's, like, killing people or something. And, like, that's all you have to do in the last 15 minutes to make that movie, like, a good story, I think. And be horror and be interesting to me. But a lot of movies are like, not doing that lately, and it's really frustrating. No, they're not. Yes. And, and I feel like there was, like, a slight glimpse in the trailer where it looked like somebody was trying to pull teeth out. And I was like, I wonder if, like, they're trying to keep his fangs yeah, from like growing in or something. Horns, yeah. like, that'd be kind of cool. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so the next one we got is The Conjuring 3. I, I, I mean, it's not really much to say about these movies because you guys, if you listen to this podcast ever, you know that we really like James Wan and the whole universe most of the time. So this one looks cool. It looks like she's fighting like a, like a Satan, Satanologist or something they call it, and like that's kind of cool because it's the first time we've had like a human antagonist that is messing with the spirit world. So, Conjuring Three is gonna be something I will be watching for sure. Yep. Yeah. I, I mean, I was excited about it when it was just said that it was gonna come out, and um, you know, I think that <laughs> I think that Efren and I have like reached um, a point with this of like you know the warren family and how you know whether or not they were scumbags in real life or whatever it's like these are movies and they're not like to go into a movie saying it's based on a true story like that's your own problem for like going in actually taking it for real like it's just a movie that that goes down some like interesting paths of stories that have been recorded in history and this is a really interesting one because it's covering a true true case of a man claiming he was possessed and that's why he murdered a bunch of people and it actually being like something that was processed in court i'm i i can't remember the end of the case but i'm sure he didn't get off for it and because you know, uh, otherwise you would have had a lot more cases of people saying wait i was possessed too like yeah, that, that would happen all the time if they got away with that but it's well, still really interesting that it, was... that it was even admitted yeah, I thought it was interesting. The, there's a line in the movie, and it's probably a super straw man or some, some invalid logical argument fallacy thing. But it was like, you swear to a god in court, like, why wouldn't you believe in the devil? And I'm like, oh my god, that's so true. Like, like what? Like, you can't just, like, swear to god and then totally dismiss, like, everything else that the Bible stands for and talks about and things like that, you know? And I thought that yeah. that was an... Like a really weird, interesting point. I'd never, I'd never even thought or put any energy into thinking about until right away, where it's like how the hypocrisy of that action. 
of being like, yeah, I swear to God, I'm telling the truth. And it's like, but like, then someone's like, I think I was possessed by a demon. That's what happened. They're like, you're crazy, man. There's no <laughs> way that that works. Can you swear on this Bible true. again? Like real quick though? Like, you're like, wait a minute. Anyway, sorry. That was a weird tangent I had, but I had to get it out of my system. Cause I was like, wait a second. This is a hypocrisy. That's a good point. Uh, anyway, I'm, yeah, I'm excited for it too. And, I think for me it comes to the point of like you, you know I watched this The Greatest Showman, and I dissociated it from you know Barnum being a to- terrible guy, and I like it, and I I'm sad that I might be giving someone who's terrible money, but in the end of the day it's part of entertainment, and I I don't know I mean I guess maybe I should be more sensitive about that, but for those things I'm not I'm making an active decision to not necessarily do that, so you know judge me as you will. <laughs> Honestly, sometimes it's hard. Like, I, I feel like it's getting harder and harder in today's age where, like, lives, um, especially famous people, their lives are more and more and more public. And so many people are involved with um, the creative process of making things that there's, there's, it's becoming a higher and higher chance that they did something somewhere down the line that was at the very least offensive, if not worse. And with everybody having and, everything documented on Twitter and everything nowadays, it's even easier. <laughs> stuff, so. Yeah. And, and that isn't to say that it dismisses their behavior or says that you should support it um, in any form or fashion. But it's just one of those things where it's like you, there's, I feel like there's, it's this really weird gray area of like, well, what am I willing to accept? Because I, I I'm not just going to go live under under a rock and never. Yeah, I mean, everybody draws their lines, again. right? Like some people are like, I draw my line here, and other people draw their line there. No one, no one's a hundred percent paleo. I guess is the the argument I always make. Like, if you're hundred percent paleo, <laughs> you're not going to know what that means anyway. So, because you wouldn't know what paleo <laughs> is, because you wouldn't have the internet and you'd be growing your own food and everything. So it's like, you know, there's trade offs. But let's talk about our next trailer, which is called the bite. Uh, it seems like the bite is kind of like that what songbird movie, but not as yes. uh, pushy about you know being COVID. I think it was. I think I might be hypo- hypocrite. I might be hypocrisy right here, but I felt like it was from what I saw in the trailer very briefly an interesting way to take on like a COVID variant without having to like press it in that like. I mean, because it was kind of set in our time, right? Like, people were doing stuff over Zoom. Everything was happening at home. It's It was kind of cool to see how, like, that medical world was changed a little bit and how people are doing, like, video chats and stuff like that with doctors, which I've done lately. So, like, I get it. And it's interesting to see. I would love to see how a zombie apocalypse happens in that way with everybody still inside, right? Because usually the big, the big downside of a zombie apocalypse is someone gets bit in Times Square and then, you know, it just goes off. But <laughs> how does it work when everybody's inside? Like, how does it work? That's that's the part that I found interesting. And I think that the part that I still don't like is that, like, what what I thought would have been cool with this concept was exactly what you said. What happens with in, like, a zombie apocalypse based on the quarantine procedures that we followed for COVID? Like... Mm-hmm. This is what would happen if there was a pandemic. We just lived it. We like we saw what would happen. So what would happen if there? Because a, zomb- a zombie apocalypse is essentially a pandemic. So what would happen? We would be all locked inside. So then, how would the zombie, uh, um, the That's zombie virus spread? Yeah. That's really interesting. I don't think it's necessary at all to use the word COVID in the like in the movie. Like all you had to do was say there's a pandemic and we're going to follow. CDC or whatever yeah. procedures and everybody goes in their houses and everybody's like oh because that's what we would do oh this is interesting and like you wouldn't have to say COVID 
Like, that's another thing where it's I like, also would face for no reason. remind you that a lot of people watching this movie might not be, connect, be able to connect the dots as well as you did. And I'm not saying that to try to excuse them. I'm just trying to say that, that there's a lot of dumb people out there. <laughs> and if you really want your movie to sell, you, you make it relatable and you make it easy to follow. Unless you're for some reason... I don't know. Anyway, I'm I, not saying I that that's the only that. reason. I agree with you 100%. I'm trying to counterpoint it, and it's not a good counterpoint. So let's move on to the next movie. No. Well, well right. I did want to say that I, I agree with you that I, for whatever reason, I can't quite pinpoint it. For whatever reason, this movie does look far more palatable. It doesn't feel... Even though it's using the direct... It's like literally using the word COVID in it. Um, it doesn't feel as like in your. It feels more like cathartic than it does in your face about it. Like it's trying to feed off of what it was. It's almost like it's like, hey, here's our first kind of pseudo dark comedy movie about the whole thing, so we can kind of start to laugh about it. Yeah, and, and move on. I think the part that it comes in is that it starts off in a more relatable place, right? Like it's not starting off in a version of COVID twenty five and everybody's locked down and it's like some post-apocalyptic future that could actually happen. It's like a future or a place where we are and a potential, like, branch. Uh, that's that's fantasy, right? It's not stipulating and making, like, heavy-handed assumptions and commentary from the beginning. It might make them through the movie, but it's starting off like, hey, I'm a doctor on a, co on a video chat. Like, let's talk about this. Oh, my God, someone bit you. That's terrible. Okay. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> All right, this next movie I'm super excited about because it looks like a better version of The Wolf of Snow Hollow. The Wolf of Snow Hollow? I knew you were going to say you that. You <laughs> should because it's basically the same thing. Uh, but I'm excited it's because... it the lady from the, from the Verizon commercials or whatever. Yeah, it's called Werewolves Within, and it actually... I think the name's kind of fun because it does come off like a game of werewolf. Like, there's a game you can play called Werewolf. It's like Mafia, where someone, you know, people die every night and they're trying to figure out who the werewolf is and nobody knows and so on and so forth. I feel like this movie is basically just someone's like, you know what, we had a really good game of werewolf, we should make a movie about it. And then they did this. And I'm like, okay, I'm totally down. Like, I would love to see more people doing role-playing games and stuff and making movies out of their, their scenarios and sessions and their play. And so, like, I'm all for something like this. But also, it looks like a good, genuinely good werewolf movie. It does look good. I... I feel like it looks, it looks really fun at yeah. the very least. Um, it does look like it's definitely actually going the monster route, mm -hmm. like the werewolf route, which, of course, makes Efrit really happy. It and, does. And me too. <laughs> um, but it's and like uh, I love that. Like I don't know, I don't know why, but for some reason, it it was really cool to see Sam Richard in, Richardson in it, and like he's like the sheriff, I think, or at least one of the police officers. And I, at least what I know him from is he's this really timid, but at the same time, no filtered, like, uh, assistant guy in uh, Veep hmm. on HBO. And he's like, he's really stinking funny in that show. Um, and like his, his role when he starts out is, is just like, it seems like he's only going to be in one episode. And then he's just in it from there on just because he's so funny. And his like it just like the way that he delivers everything. He's like randomly insulting people, but with a big smile on his face, and that doesn't realize he's insulting people. And it's it, it just seems like it's kind of a similar typecasted almost character in this too. And I feel like that would fit really well in a horror movie. Yeah. So I'm excited. And driven by that character too is going to be interesting because I feel like this is everything that I've wanted weird horror to be like the Dead Don't Die, the Wolf of Snow Hollow, and I'm hoping it delivers on that. And I might be building it up too much because. 
it has to be better than those. Like, if it's not better than those, something's very wrong, and we need to talk to somebody. <laughs> it could just be a really, it could just be a really well-made trailer. But I feel like you can tell that the pacing is better. Mm-hmm. Like, I remember the Dead Don't Die trailer. Watching it, I was like, "Is this like a Wes Anderson ripoff? What is this?" Mm-hmm. Like, I remember thinking that when I was watching the trailer, and I did. It took. I, I was just kind of lazy trying to track it down. And thankfully, you watched it for both of us and said that it was garbage, so I didn't watch it. And yeah, I'll but like to I'm, that. this one seems better paced. Yeah, yeah. So all right. Yeah. So we're excited about that. And the last trailer we have, and probably the last thing we're going to talk about, is going to be the deep ones. I'm interested in this because it's got Lovecraftian overtones. Obviously, the deep ones are like Lovecraft monsters, but I don't know if it's going to be that good. You're excited for glowing vagina. That's what you're excited for. Just admit it. You're excited Not really. for glowing vagina. I think actually this. I think this movie's going to be really bad. I just really like <laughs> I really like to watch Lovecraft takes on Lovecraft. I mean even the things like the Beach House I was excited about but then it failed. Yep. So I imagine this is going to be a lot like the Beach House. But I'll still watch it and I'll still get excited about it and I'll still be like hey make make Lovecraft movies, make another color out of space like let's do this. So Yep. Yeah, I will continue to support like basically the same the, literally they have the same opinion as you. It doesn't look great. Um, it looks like it will at least at times have some fun practical effects stuff in it. Yeah. Um, and it's going to have some, at least some of the Lovecraftian monster stuff, which I know that that's not all of what Lovecraft is, but I'm just being honest. That's part of the reason that I joined in the fun is I like the monster side of Lovecraft stuff. And it's like one of the things that made Castle Freak, the new Castle Freak, very watchable was that like at the very, even though the Mirror movie is very crazy, strange, and not that good. At the end, you get some really cool delivery about, and it has to do with Yogg-Sothoth and all that stuff, so. So, I, I have a question for you, though, on this. Like, what, um, why is it that all of these movies, it's, it feels like it's almost every H.P. Lovecraft movie, falls into this really weird, like, campiness? It's like they all do it, and I don't understand how it, how every single one of these movies continually falls into the, like the same style and approach where it's like almost goofy and it's like why did you have to go make it goofy and wacky i, I don't I, understand I don't know. that's a good question i feel like sometimes it has to do with the fact that they're trying to go for like a modern pulp but i also don't really see that because a modern pulp to me would be more like the mummy right um yeah but they're trying to translate something that's there in the writing i feel like to movies and there's something missing this is, and this is just me, my conjecture, by the way, everybody listening. Like, I have no idea. There's something when you read Lovecraft, it's very slow, it's very, like, deliberate. It's pretty racist, I guess, if you're, you know, focusing on that. Which it is, I'm not saying it's not. It's just that, you know, like, it is what it is. So if you're going to read it, be prepared for that. It, it's got, like, a very deliberate delivery. There's sometimes slow builds. There's, like, big reveals at the end. I feel like people can't really translate that to a movie very well, even though we've clearly seen movies like A Dark Song that do that, right? well um and then you have movies like coherence which are trying to go for it but don't lean enough into the stuff that makes lovecraft kind of interesting which is the mythos right and i don't really know like i don't know why people who choose to direct and be participating in these lovecraft movies can't just make a movie that's like the relic a short movie like the like that's like the relic which is totally has horror in it and also has monsters like it's got everything you need there's not a lot of psychological stuff because again the psychological part of H.P. Lovecraft, of reading it, is that slow build, the kind of, like, things that make it so you question everything, and I don't know. 
I, I if if you know the answer, tell us because we have no idea. But I think that's that's <laughs> time. So, you know, let us know in the comments if you have feelings about why Lovecraft movies always come off as super campy. <laughs> yeah. Also like yeah, we need to know. Yeah. Also like, comment, subscribe, and thanks for listening. And uh, we'll see you next time. See ya.